When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Johnson, I think it slightly favors the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Oh! It may have been a draw on the night, but that is one massive win overall for Scotland and Steve Clark. Top of our Nations League uh, B group, up to Nations League A, a second seeding for the European Championship draw and a playoff in the bag should we need it. It started underwhelmingly, disappointingly, but only a few months later, I can't believe how it's ended, to be honest with you. Uh, Alan Risk from the Air Force One uh, Twitter page and John Bleasdale, author of Scotland's Swedish Adventure book, are with me to chew the fat. The game only finished half an hour ago, so emotions may be still quite high. There may be a bit of hyperbole uh, inbound, so apologies in advance for that. But John, we'll come to you first. How brilliant was that uh, from Scotland tonight in terms of a defensive showing? Ukraine may have missed a couple of guilt-edge chances, but overall defending um, that gave off Serbia vibes to me. It was incredible um, when you think of the players that were missing. I mean, we're essentially missing a back four almost when you think about it with Robertson, Tierney, or back five with Tierney, Robertson, McTominay, sometimes played in defence, Hanley, McKenna, Patterson, all these guys out. And the guys who have come in have all stepped up big time. And obviously, I'll Save the banter for later, but certain players um, made some of us eat our words. And given what happened in June, because we went in, as you say, we went in a, a bit of a lull, and now we're coming out of it, out of this September break on the, you know, with euphoria again, and we're almost getting ahead of ourselves again. It's it's great. I'd, I'd rather be in this idea. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So when the when this break started, Alan, and we we ran over the top of Ukraine last week, we all started to you know, feel the energy and the positivity flowing through us. We then had to follow that up with, I would say, a victory that we had to grind out against Ireland at stages, despite being the better team in the game. Did you see us getting through that tonight, especially given the circumstances John has just touched on? I mean, I think uh, you, you touched on it there. I think the camp started off so positively in that Ukraine game and just getting the result in a different way and fighting hard for it against Ireland kind of even with the changes you still felt 
anything could happen. We had it within ourselves. Um, of course, obviously, we're missing a, a, a fair few names, as John mentioned, but I still felt that we had, because the players up top, there, was, there wasn't much movement there in terms of um, illnesses and all, all sorts. Everybody appeared to be ready to play. Um, so just given they were there, I had the confidence that um, the back line could come through it. And obviously, it just turned out then we didn't even need any goals. <laughs> yeah, it was t- two clean sheets. In fact, we weren't beaten from open play in this international break. Ireland scored from the second phase of a corner. It dropped to John Egan in the box. He smashed it home. But we weren't broken down in open play. And, well, let me rephrase that. We were broken down in open play this evening. Ukraine just couldn't finish off the chances that came their way. Specifically, Yarmolenko wasn't it maybe in the 10th minute or so. He put one over the bar from five or six yards, open net. And another few chances came and went. That late header, I feel that Stepanenko could have probably done better to put that on target. But look, not our problem. Um, And we, to be honest, could even have taken the lead, John. I feel like McGinn misjudged that chance that came his way in the first few minutes. Yeah, I, I was wondering why he didn't take the shot. And then even if he lays off to Adams, I think Adams, if he goes across the goalkeeper, he's got a better chance of scoring. But the defender did well to get a nick off it and so the goalkeeper made a save. But yeah, that was that was the closest that we came. And we didn't really create much. Um, but we were on the back foot a lot. I mean, I think there were times in the first half where bits of midfield were bypassed. Um I don't think Jack got into the game until the second half and then he came off and then Ken McLean don't think he got into it to the second half um, and that's no disrespect it's just the environment they've been thrown in and Ukraine were good going forward but we held our own <laughs> you know, that's, that's the main thing I mean yes they had a couple of chances especially the Yarmolenko one that's, a, that's the big one um, but thankfully we survived that and we were able to um, keep my arms left for pretty much the majority of the game and Alan, uh, Tom Kitchen can be saved from being dragged to the gallows uh, just just yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, the first thought. Actually, we went, um, me and my, my partner Ali went to her parents and um, our mum, totally off topic, but um, our mum was just telling us a story about how she wasn't a fan of Tom Kitchen before the story broke about the, <laughs> the players there. So as soon as I told her, I thought, I'm going to message your mum and let her know because she'll love this. But um, yeah, I mean, I really felt for her. I think he deleted the tweet this morning um, or last night. Um, <laughs> So he was probably, um, out of everyone, he's the one with no fingernails left watching the result. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, oh, it's, it's just uh, just to see everyone sort of pull it together. Um, I mean, they, they, like you said, Ukraine had chances. Um, I mean, even the, the stops that Gordon had to make, that save from Midrick was first class. And how easy he made it look. I mean, he, he gets the strong palm in it. It looks like a training ground save and he gets up and carries on. But I mean, if you watch that, I mean, that's that's an incredible save. Um, that was going right into the corner there. Um, and I think he did get a couple of chances, but I felt like Hickey handled him as best as he could um, because he is a player who's going right to the top. I think they're um, Shakhtar were holding out for 50 million for Midrick. So you're talking up against Aaron Hickey. And Aaron Hickey's obviously worth a few pounds himself, um, but he did incredibly well just to manage them. And I think getting Midrick booked nice and early probably helped his cause. Um, they actually had to sort of bring Michael Inko sort of into it a little bit and use him up against Hickey because I think they felt like Midrick was probably going to get himself sent off. Um, but yeah, no, I'm sure they will come to the, the, all of the pitch, but uh, yeah, Tom Kitchen's probably one happy man this evening. <laughs> Should uh, before any slander lawsuits come away, this is all speculation and just a joke. Tom, thank you for listening. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but let's let's move into the middle of the back four then. 
Hendry could well be the man of the, the break for me, to be honest. I thought he was superb again tonight. He would personally get my man of the match, I think. We need to touch on the man he was paired with as well. A lot of trepidation among the support about the potential inclusion of Ryan Porteous in the Scotland team from the start in such a huge game. I think it's probably fair, given the circumstances that befell the manager, um, that Porteous was the one to start. He was the one included from the start of the squad. So Gallagher or Kingsley starting over him maybe would have been a kick in the teeth. Um, but he's, he's shown domestically that he can be prone to errors. I think he was almost faultless tonight, John. I, nothing stands out to me at all, um, really, that, that showed Porteous couldn't handle that occasion. Um, and I know it's only one game and he's got plenty um, of mileage in his international career, but he was superb alongside Hendry. The two of them were brilliant. Certainly was. And as a, um, I had a cup of tea for a Kimosh. I've had a slice humble pie to go with it because you know, <laughs> I had um, big questions over his inclusion in the squad first and foremost because my my worry with Portis is his temperament. He usually, he, his concentration levels are never great and he always gets himself involved in some stupid little things that he needs to walk away from. But tonight, his concentration levels were absolutely first class. He never got involved in anything stupid. And the only one occasion was quite near the end where someone turned him, but then Hendrik came across and covered. But other than that, I thought Portis was absolutely faultless. Um, the tackle that he makes at the end um, in the box, that slime tackle from the side, could have very easily given away a penalty. He times it perfectly. For me, he was narrowly man of the match ahead of Henry and Hickey, but just shaded it for me. But what an impressive debut. And see if he keeps that up. That, that's him now set a bar for himself. If he wants to get a big move, that's the level of performance you put in every week. Yeah, he certainly wouldn't, wouldn't have done himself any harm. He's out of Hibs, uh, out of contract to Hibs at the end of the season. Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, that will have caught a few pairs of eyes this evening. Alan, your thoughts on Porteous? How did you feel about him before the game and how do you feel after? Um, Porteous is a player who uh, I like quite a lot. Um, I I mean, like, like John says, he's got his faults, but I always, I mean, I've probably, probably gone a bit lenient on him, but I always just felt he was quite young still and he had plenty of time to sort of mature as he went on. Um, I mean, to be honest, with, with the way the international team's gone, I, I, I figured he might actually never never get a call-up um, at this stage, unless he got a big move and something happened to his career. So to get drafted in um, and then perform like he did is, is phenomenal. Um, Hibbs put out a tweet just before the match um, when obviously he was named in the starting lineup. Um, that was really interesting. Um, the data they'd gathered from the start of last season had Porteous as, um, now I hope this wasn't just first in the Hibs squad, but they had him as a, the first for ball recoveries, the first for successful progressive passes, first for switch passes, first for fouls one. Um in the SPFL um, over the last sort of um, 12 to 14 months. Now, that kind of shocked me when I saw it because I thought that's, I mean, that's a, that's a ball carrying defender, exactly what we need for the national side. Um, obviously, why he's there. Um, but I just didn't, I haven't watched an awful lot of Hibs. Um, so I, I just didn't see um, those stats from him. Um, so yeah, he, he came in, he performed brilliantly. I think he was calm. Um, he made the correct decisions at the, at the right times. Um, and I think, like you're saying, Hendry, he, and I can see why you're saying he edged it. I mean, he, he, he was there. Porteous is a leader himself. I mean, I've seen clips of him um, where he's been leading um, players and you're actually getting to listen to what he's doing in a park, and he's very vocal. Um, so playing alongside Hendry uh, would have done him brilliant for his first international game. Um, and just the amount of times we saw that back line, 
play um, a Ukrainian striker offside. It was. It must have been every five minutes. It, they were. They were great together. Really, yeah. really great. And the only thing that annoyed me was that bloody late flag every single time. Yeah, bizarre because most of them weren't even close shouts, were they? The, the Ukrainian striker was normally a yard minimum offside, and he yeah. still runs through for another five, six, seven seconds. And the guy, the guys I was watching the game with tonight, we were saying at some point somebody is going to get an injury from this and a club or a manager is going to lose their temper about it. Um, we've got a mention here from Callum Brown, regular listener. Um, if you're out in France by now, Callum, hope you are enjoying the new job. Um, he's saying, can we wrap the Clark out patter amongst some of the Tartan army now? Um, I get there was deserved criticism for him and the players after the summer camp, but this has proven that was a blip. He's also rubbished the stubborn claims with the change to four and some more young talents. Over to you, John. Oh, exactly. I mean, there's not much more you can add to that. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Clark was a man under pressure, not so much under pressure in terms of his job being on the line, because I think he was always going to get the Euro campaign regardless of the Nations League anyway. But given the performances um, in June, and we deserve criticism for the performances in June, because they weren't good enough, um, especially the Ireland game away. But, you know, People said that he's, he's too stubborn, that the 5-3-2 was always going to stay. Well, he proved that he could change it and it works an absolute treat. And obviously bringing in some younger players. But just as I said, we've dealt with, we've been dealt with hammer blow after hammer blow with these call-offs and injuries during games. And players have just come in and they've, they know their role and they've just stuck to the game plan accordingly. So, yeah, I think there's no question that Steve Clark has won back a lot more credibility than what he went into the break with. And, you know, as we say, We've now got. We can look forward to the Euro campaign a wee bit more, knowing that we've got this pot two status as well. Let's let's go over that then, because that this is obviously one of the massive benefits of this evening's outcome. So, I think that just before I run through the teams there, um, I think pots pots two and three overall. There are sixteen teams there that are pretty much a much of a muchness. There are that the benefit of us getting into pot two means that we can rule out the possibility of being drawn with one of the pot one teams and then France or England from pot two. But the rest, for example, Israel are in pot two, Finland are in pot two, but then you have Norway in pot three, that's danger. You've got uh, Sweden in pot three, that's danger. So, you know, I think that the main thing here means that we won't have two heavyweights in our group, which could have happened if we were uh, in pot three. So let's let's run through it then. Um, So in pot one, uh, Hungary, wow, Hungary are in there. Uh, we also have Switzerland, Poland, uh, Netherlands, Croatia, Spain, Italy, Denmark, Portugal, and Belgium. Now, th- there is the potential here that we could draw one of the teams that um, we're nearer with on a par. I don't want to say on the same par with because they're pot one, but I mean we're not too far off Hungary, surely. Um, Poland could they be in our grasp? Ish, I'm not sure, maybe. And then obviously the rest are, are very good. Um, and then pot two, France, Austria, Czech Republic, England, Wales, Israel, fuck me, Bosnia, uh, Serbia, I've just got in, they beat Norway tonight, uh, Scotland and Finland. So pot three, this is really where things start to concern us. Ukraine, Albania, I would take them, Norway, Slovakia, yep, Slovakia, uh, Republic of Ireland, wouldn't mind them. Iceland. Slovenia, Slovenia. not Slovakia. Oh, Slovenia. 
my knowledge of flags letting me down there. Um, so Slovenia and pot three wouldn't mind them. Uh, Ireland, Iceland. Now Iceland, I've commentated on Iceland twice in the last few months, and they're a gang, an absolute gang. I would take Iceland. Famous last words, but I would take Iceland. Uh, Montenegro, Romania, Sweden, and Armenia. Um, Turkey from pot four. Don't like that. Greece are enjoying a bit of a turnaround. They're in pot four as well, and then. The, the usuals in pot five and six. Northern Ireland down in pot five now. Slovakia from pot five. Oh, my gosh. What's happened there to Slovakia? Anyway, so uh, looking at this, then the likelihood is we'll be drawing a group of five this time. There are only three teams in pot six. San Marino, Liechtenstein, I think, and Andorra. From pot one, guys, we obviously want Hungary uh, or Poland, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, I felt like we performed really against well against Poland uh, in the friendly uh, in March, and obviously they were yeah. without Lewandowski. But I, I feel like we've got their number if with them. Norway, the most dangerous team from pot three, or Ukraine. Sweden aren't enjoying a great time of it at the moment, but they still. Um, I think I'd rather avoid them, John. Yeah. From a from a travel perspective, I quite like Sweden, and I think they're a nation to climb. But there are nations I would have above them from uh, what's an easier draw kind of thing, like. Armenia would certainly take Slovenia. I think we could take Iceland is probably the one that I would probably want the most in Armenia. But the ones I'd rather avoid, um, Ukraine and Norway, without question, yeah. um, for different reasons. Um, Georgia, Greece, Turkey, Kazakhstan, uh, Luxembourg, Azerbaijan, Kosovo, Bulgaria, Faroes and North Macedonia. They, you could make a, you could make a select eleven from players from them. I bet that would just do one on us. Um, yeah. But overall... Yeah, that, that, that Rodriguez for um, for Luxembourg, I mean, they've had some big results over the last couple of games. Um, did you draw three each with Turkey? So if I can avoid Luxembourg, um, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, um, well, we narrowly beat them in the build-up to the Euros, didn't we? Which 1-0 at that point felt yeah. quite underwhelming, but I think they have started to uh, turn a corner um, under whoever's managing them now. Um, but looking, I was looking at Scotland's results just as we started recording. Um, away from home, somebody, uh, let me just find a tweet here, came in there mentioned saying, um, can you mention the turn in form from away games? Uh, here we go, Ali Clark. Uh, a word on much improved away performances under Clark. Dublin aside, there have been some great ones. Austria, Wembley, Serbia, and now tonight. Um, it's a nice change of pace. Now, I think there are a couple of um, key moments here in Clark's tenure. We all know about Russia away uh, and how he identified it as the lowest point. It had to be the lowest point for his team. We then managed to turn around from that and go unbeaten in nine games, I think, and eventually reach the playoffs, which were, we were successful in. Uh, sorry, we'd already reached the playoffs, eventually get through the playoffs. Uh, and then the other one would be, I think, um, Denmark 2-0 away from home. They, they ran over the top of us over in Copenhagen, it was boys against men the entire evening. Since then, we've lost two games in 15, which is quite crazy, to be honest. And those two losses coming in the summer there, Ukraine in the playoff and uh, Ireland, that just utter bizarre collapse uh, in Dublin. Apart from that, I'm looking here at the results and it's just green, 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 couple of yellows thrown in. Uh, we're on some run of form, John. Yeah, there's no doubt that we're... Um, the improvement since the Euros, especially, has been um, has been incredible. As you, you mentioned, we're, we're on a real good run. I mean, June has just turned out to be a blip. A lot of us were worried going into um, this um, 
this set of fixtures, and understandably so, but you know, it just proves that the, um, the June fixtures were a blip and um you know the players still want to play for their country and you know, we're, we're you know we're talking about um, nations that are on um, on the way down and we're, we're trying we, we always look at these um, other pots and think we'd rather avoid them rather avoid them but we're in a situation now where teams would look at us and say do we really want Scotland the way that they're going and the way that they're set up under Clark you know I, I think we might be some teams most favoured option but other teams might look at us and think we don't want them and that's where we've got to keep working There we go, the mute button doing me in there. Um, now this is actually terrible. Um, I don't know how the... It's all happened very quickly, I feel. I don't quite know how the seedings work for the next Nations League draw. Uh, when is that made? Um, I think it's made... Um, it'll, it'll be after... I think it might be made in like February 2024, if I'm, if I'm right. Or January, February 2024, because the last one um, was made when when we got Israel again um, for okay. the 20, 20 edition. That was made earlier in the year. Remember that because remember first just coming at then COVID hit, etc. So I think it'll be around about then. So and the, the seedings, so the seedings could change on that, John. It's not so. For example, in League A, the group winners are Croatia, Spain, Italy, and Holland. Are they going to be the first seeds? for the next Nations League draw, or will it depend on uh, rankings and European Championship qualifying since now? My understanding is that we will be fourth of the pot um, A teams, uh, the League A teams. So we won't get Israel, we won't get um, Bosnia, because they've also just come up and we won't get Serbia. That's my understanding of it, but I don't know if rankings then come into effect over the next year as well, but that's my understanding, but I may be wrong. Okay, well, long way to go, anyway. Um, now, let's talk about somebody who doesn't always, in fact, never, really, apart from his penalties, gets a slice of the limelight. Uh, Kenny McLean played the full 90 minutes this evening. I think that was a surprise to see him uh, as one of the wider midfielders from the start. Alan, he's a player Clark likes. He relies on him um, to come on and help see games out quite a lot. Uh, I thought that, I didn't think it was Ryan Fraser's evening, I have to say. I felt he struggled in the counter and didn't really create too much. I thought McLean um, again had one of those six out of ten performances that he, he produces for Scotland. Yeah, um, no, he did, um, and I mean, he, he came in for quite a bit of criticism because he, he just wasn't. He, I can't remember if he's ever properly sharp, but um, there was a couple of chances. Was that late cross into the box where he just didn't even go for it, um, which kind of seemed to sum up his day. But I mean, I was trying to find something earlier, but I just I, I couldn't go back far enough, but I'm trying to think of the last time Scotland can see a goal with Kenny McLean on the park, um, because obviously he's usually brought in to see out games uh, and he's done sort of 10 minutes here and 8 minutes here, and we never concede, um, and so I'm, I'm, I don't think it'll be too far back but it's a good while, um, so maybe that's why Clark started and we just thought we'll just go for the nil-nil <laughs> from the get-go um, if, if McLean's on, we're not conceding um, but I mean, yeah I think he struggled to get into the game, I think if anything um, for the first half um, and a, a lot of the second day he was a passenger um, but I mean he, he, we got away with it um, and I think he, the problem was he, that was just my viewing of it and then when I was checking um, Fotmob uh, he had he was only one um, on a green rating I think he was like 7.2, 7.3 right, okay. um, so um, I think his passing when he was getting the ball and he was passing he was passing well I think for a lot of people the passes were 
backwards. Um, but I did feel from a lot of the players, they were erring on the side of caution. I think Taylor, where if we'd maybe been chasing a game, he would maybe have tried to knock it down the line and um, get across, and he was opting for the pass back. Um, so there was that, which is totally understandable. We only needed the draw, um, and we're playing with a, a much weaker side than we usually do um, on paper. Um, but uh, I mean, we can't we can't complain. I mean, yes, Kenny McLean he didn't perform, he didn't light the world on fire, but we got a nil nil um, result, which we needed, and McLean was a massive part of that. Absolutely. Now, Hickey's getting a lot of attention in the mentions here. How good can Hickey be? Asks James Taylor. We've got someone else asking the Ballon d'Or question if Hickey will be part of the nominations. We, uh, now, I have to ask, or I'm wondering myself, the next time an international break rolls around, which I think we might have a friendly in November. I don't know if it's confirmed or not yet, but I think we might be playing a friendly in November uh, before or just as the World Cup's almost getting underway. Um, but apart from that, the next break will be in March, won't it, when the qualifiers start? So another, normally towards the end of March, so say one January, February, so a full six months, one game in the next six months probably for Scotland. So a lot can change, fitness, form, but should the jersey at right back stay with Aaron Hickey now? Because I think Patterson had a, a real hold on it and if he hadn't got injured, probably wouldn't have let it go, but Hickey's come in and, and, and done well, John. He certainly has, and um, if he keeps up his form with Brentford and he started the season well at Brentford, as we all other better players, then it's his to lose, in my opinion. Nathan Patterson's out for six weeks, six weeks out, I read, and then even with the six weeks, he's still got to get himself back in the Everton team, which I think he will do, because there's not the same level of competition for him. Um, and But if Hickey keeps his performances up, between now and March, then get into the Euro qualifiers. As far as I'm concerned, he starts, um, unless there's a massive drop in form and, of course, um, injuries can hit as well. Um, but it's it's a great um, problem to have. I mean, we, we, at one point, we were with too many left-backs. We maybe had to put Keane to the right-back at one point just because mm-hmm. they didn't have any right-backs. Now we've got an abundance in, bo- in both sides. It's great. Um and I was going to say we could do a top-class centre-back, but we've got some good enough centre-backs that are coming in and it's been proven again. I mean, who would have said Henry and Portis would be a, a solid centre-back partnership and they've come up um, to upset. I just want to give a shout to... Because I've had a tweet from Russell from Three Lines Podcast, an England podcast, saying, congratulations, guys, enjoy the top table because they're also falling down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible turn of events the way this Nations League has worked out. Um, we, we have a... I'll address this, um, a, tweet, a tweet from Craig Thompson, who I can only assume is a Hibs fan, um, saying that we've had a few cheap digs at Ryan Porteous and Hamden Roar. Hope you're ready to eat humble pie. Uh, pods are usually balanced, but I thought the criticism of a young Scottish player before a ball was kicked was unwarranted. OK, take it on the chin. Fair enough. I was not uh, looking forward to see Porteous play tonight. Um, as I said earlier in the pod, um, I've seen him make quite a few mistakes for Hibs um, on the park. And John, you've aired your concerns about his temperament. But look, can have absolutely no qualms or complaints about his performance tonight or involvement in future squads based on his performance this evening. So I think he's he's done well to to get his foot in the door uh, and make the most of it, I have to say. So, yeah, fair enough, Craig. That's a fair comment. Um, we have uh, a message here from Jimmy Gregory uh, at DCFC. Um, she Adams, outstanding. Alan, he was. Yeah, yeah, he had a really ugly job to do tonight. 
Um, he had to, he didn't have much to feed on. He had that early chance, um, and he a lot of the time he was only only one up top there just to get a, a long ball pointed to him. And he, he did he held it up well. He won some fouls. He brought others into play exactly what he can do. Um, I think it was a game where he's he always wants to score, but that's the kind of that's the exact performance we need from him tonight. Um, and I think Dykes did really well when he came on, didn't, just doing the exact same thing, winning fouls, getting us up the park. Um, they both they both showed uh, everything that Clark believes they can do and wants them to do. Um, they, they did that. Um, and I, I'm really, really proud of Adams and the way he played tonight. Because um, he looked, I mean, see when he came off, you saw him, I, I was taking notes obviously for this, and I had it, it must have been 30 seconds before he went off. I said, Adams looks absolutely gassed. He he needs to go soon because um, uh, he'd given absolutely everything. Um, so, yeah, yeah, big, big, big performance from Adams up top. The, uh, there's a comment here as well. Um, yep, Glenn Schroeder saying, tonight has shown what Clark has been working on, making us hard to beat. Now, uh, I think that that is night and day, really, from what we saw in the summer, I think, um, in this international break, Ireland... They, they looked semi-threatening on the counter at times and Gordon had to pull out a big save at one point. Ukraine in the game before that looked non-existent. Tonight, yep, they missed a few sitters, but we frustrated them overall. Um, not our fault that they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. That probably was something that frustrated themselves even more. Um, but going back, um, even towards the end of uh, the last campaign, uh, Denmark, for example, you know, I think we are really starting to grasp this and there's been a change of formation which maybe suits this group of players even better now, John. The, the discussion is going to start again next time Thierry and Robertson are in a squad together. Not really looking forward to it, but it has it has to be had because we've shown how good we are in this formation. Um, what is the role going to be for Tierney if or when he's fit? It, it does seem to be a matter of if rather than when, sometimes for Tierney. Um, and Robertson as the captain will come back in at left-back. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But whether it is in a four or potentially in a 3-4-3 a three, three with Tierney and Robertson in the same team, we are looking a bit harder to break down. That's the thing. I mean, yeah, we are a harder team to break down. And um, t- I mean, tonight's game was about you know, being hard to beat first, play second. I think it's always unfair to say that um, Clark's just a hard-to-beat kind of manager. We've been playing some good football over this past year. Yeah. You know, some of the moves that we've been producing leading to chances and goals has been excellent. I mean, I think back to that Denmark game, playing out from you know, the corner of our own box to then nearly creating a chance for um, Robertson at the other end. You know, it's, just, it's been little things, that little interchange passes a play. Um, so we aren't just a hard to beat side. We do actually play good football. We're not um, a top draw side by any stretch of imagination, but I think we need to give a wee bit more credit to the rest of the team. As for the Tierney versus Robertson debate, um, I mean, my personal opinion is this formation's now working. Why change it? And if you're going to stick that formation right now, Tierney's the one that's in possession. And for me, he's the better defender and footballer overall. He's the best player in our squad. And if that means Andy Robertson has to sit and wait his chance, that's just what's going to happen. Um, I know that people get in uh, their knickers and a twist, so to speak, when it comes to, oh, you can't leave two, um, you've got two world-class players, you've got to get them both the team. Well, if they both play the same role, 
and there's only one rule available. You've got to leave one out. Yeah, it, well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, in March. As we say, a lot can change. I mean, for goodness sake, we had five fullbacks out injured by the end of this one. So God knows. Um, one player that I wanted, uh, sorry, one comment that I wanted to go to was, yep, one in from Michael Grantham. Can anyone name our best 11? Is there a consensus now for a, a Scotland best 11, Alan? I think towards, um, or over the last few years, especially when it was in a 3-4-3, I think most people probably could have agreed on one um, with the possibility of a new, or the, both setups now with the 4-2-3-1 or the 3 4 3 and different styles that come with it and players that benefit at pros and cons. It's probably harder now to find a, I reckon even a, a 50 per, like more than a 50% consensus on, on what Scotland's best 11 would be. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's difficult. And that's such a great problem for us to have just now. Um, I think for me personally, the, the first Ukraine performance was the best I've seen. Um, and so I'd probably stick with that one. Um, that was with a fresh squad um, with the players that were available, but they, each one performed superbly. And obviously, we I think it was whatever, 23 shots to zero, and we just really put the sword to Ukraine that night at Hamden. Um, these last two performances have been very different. And obviously, the players that have came in for each of them have done superb. Um, and I, th- I think that's the positive thing. No one's done any harm to their chances. Um, if any of these players who've participated don't get called up to the next squad, then obviously there has to be a few because if everyone comes back fit, um, especially the likes of um, of Kingsley and stuff, you're expecting them to maybe miss out um, for other players, but it's uh, they'll they'll feel hard done by. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it is it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, right. But fifty percent of them um, you can probably pick, um, but that's a great problem to have. Let's just run through for a bit more context this evening. So players that hadn't started either of the games coming into this, Fraser, Jack, McLean, put in from the start. Uh, We had a debutant centre-half who was superb. We finished that game this evening with Ralston at right-back getting his sixth cap, Kingsley at left-back getting his second, Porteous getting his first, and Henry as the real leader and my man of the match. Um, at the back doing absolutely superb one player that we didn't see was Billy Gilmore um, who I think a lot of people probably thought look, we could do with ball retention this evening against Ukraine that have composure in midfield I think his game time at club level has gone against him there John Big time he's only had two minutes of football in the last couple of minutes for Brighton against Leicester since then Brighton have had two games postponed because of unfortunate events of the Queen um, so you just got to hope that he gets himself in the Brighton team soon and gets his mess up but he's also suffered from um, not having much of a pre-season then not being the Chelsea squad before he got his move um, but again he's someone that you would expect to get game time then he'll be a stick on in the squad Whether, but the problem is for him does he start because look at the, the performances of Scott McTominay in those two games he showed why Man United are picking him ahead of someone like Casemiro right now no, McTominay has been in good form in midfield, and we also recognise that. And it's again, it's a nice problem to have. You know, we're contemplating Billy Gilmore not getting back in the team. We're contemplating Robertson not getting back in the team. Um, it's just it, mental, you know, Patterson as well. You know, um, we could just do a bit more of a competition for Gordon now, um, because mm. obviously, whilst he's still making wonder saves at nearly forty, there will come a time where he has to step aside and. 
that's my worry is who steps in because, I mean, Liam Kelly's been doing well. Although then after that, I mean, Robin McCrory was called up. He's not even had a game for Rangers. Um, Xander Clark wasted three months of a pre-season before he joined Harps. John, John McLaughlin wasn't scored, but he's not really been convincing as Rangers number one yet. No. It's That's a problem going forward. Right, so before we go, uh, earlier on we did wonder whether the pots for the 2024 instalment of the Nations League will be sorted from this. We weren't sure, um, but it turns out they are already, um, thanks to uh, Dale Johnson, ESPN, very reliable and interesting follow uh, on Twitter for all things international football and UEFA. So it is basically the group winners of League A in this instalment of the Nations League are pot one, runners up pot two, uh, pot three, um, so on and so forth, and pot four, uh, the promoted sides, which are Israel, Bosnia, Serbia and Scotland. Let's have a look at what our ideal uh, group would be, because why not? We're in there with the big boys, so we might as well um, look into the future. Um, take into account, guys, whatever you prioritise in terms of these, these things, uh, glamour tie, away day, chance of victory, whatever you want. So from pot one, um, I, personally, I always like to take into account how long has it been since we played them. Um, I think it's nice to get something a bit new. So from pot one, your options are Netherlands, Croatia, Spain and Italy. Um, I'll kick off there. I'm looking for Spain from that group. John, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we've played all four, four of them in fairly recent times, I the last um, 15 years. Um, so probably for, for me, I would, I'm going to say Italy because, you know, it's just a country I've got a lot of love for. But, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to ever get, let's be honest. Now, we've not played Italy since, or competitively, since that night at Hamden in 2007. Alan, are they who you want, or would you prefer Netherlands, Croatia, or Spain? Uh, right now, uh, I'll take... Yeah, I think I'd probably take Italy as well. Um, I mean, we've seen their form recently. Uh, obviously, they won the Euros, but then uh, since then... Uh, yeah, let's have a go at Italy again. Okay. Pot two, um, danger lurks in, well, all corners, but significantly more in three of them. Pot two, you have Denmark, Portugal, Belgium or Hungary. Now, this is where your prestige and glamour comes up against odds of victory. John, what are you going for? Right, if, um, well, I'd rather avoid Denmark and Belgium first and foremost. Um, we've played them recently and they're good sides. Um, not that the other two aren't, obviously. Um, for prestige, probably Portugal, good trip, and plus Ronaldo probably retired by then. They still have some good players in there, obviously. Um, Hungary are a good up and coming side, they're a very dangerous team, but again, I think it's a good towel, um, and probably the slightly easier of the four there. So, Hungary, I'll go for Hungary for John Allen. Are you saying that you won the easiest team as well from pot two, or do you fancy a bit of the red carpet? I think I'm, I'm I'm in the camp like you said. Like I, I think how long since we played them, and also just what's an interesting away day uh, in Budapest would be some away day. Um, so uh, yeah, I think I'll go for Hungary. Hungary, right? Okay. So the consensus so far, um, not for me, mind you. Um, I would probably say Portugal from that group. I, I would quite fancy Portugal. So I've gone for Spain and Portugal, uh, and you two have gone for Italy and Hungary. Pot three, 
it's a really kind of 50-50 split here because you've got two powerhouses in Germany and France, or you've got two slightly smaller houses in Switzerland and Poland. Um, I would like Poland from that group to balance out the two giants that I've chosen above. And also I think Poland's a, a cracking away day and I don't think that we're really that far from them. Maybe that's naive uh, in the aftermath of what we've seen from Scotland the past couple of days. But um, yeah, I fancy Poland. Not interested in France uh, and Germany still feels a bit recent um, despite them being in the same group as Poland, to be fair. John? Um, if you were looking for someone you haven't played for in a while, Switzerland would be the standout there. But uh, Switzerland's a dangerous side as well. They got to quarterfinals. The Euros beaten for, um, France, obviously. So I'd rather avoid them, actually. And they, beat, uh, they managed to finish ahead of Italy. Poland's got to be the win for me, to be, to be honest. Because um, I think, again, Liam Dosky's probably at that stage where will he retire by then? They're the ones that stand out for me. Alan, do you want to complete the trifecta? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we're going to be a bit hopeful if I think Lewandowski's going to retire. Uh, I mean, that would that would have been my thought as well. Um, I think Switzerland. It's been a while, and I mean, I remember watching them against Wales uh, the Euros. Was that the opening game uh, for Wales? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't. I thought they obviously they did well in that game, but I feel like they're a team that we can give a good game. Um, and uh, I pick them from pot three. Looking at pot four, um, obviously we're in there. I think that Serbia will be the team that I think every other country will want to avoid. Do you think we'll be next on that list or Bosnia? I think Israel will be the fodder that everyone wants. Um, Serbia will be the ones that they want to avoid. And then Scotland and Bosnia are kind of in the middle, maybe. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I'm just glad we're not getting national for a second round of the year in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's also worth noting it's further down. I mean, it was mentioned um, last December, um, but like Dale's post um, further down, he mentions that it could yet still be revised in terms of the format. Um, there was chat of ten nations coming across from South America um, to join. Um, I think the, I think the whole motivation behind that was the lack of sort of glamour friendlies we can get with the Nations League now taking over a lot of the fixtures. Um, so yeah, there's it's not nothing's been decided yet, but there's still the potential that we could get Brazil at Hamden. Well, I, I like the thought of us playing <laughs> those sort of teams, but for me that just dilutes the whole process of like why the Nations League yeah. is important. You know, it, it turns it into almost a bit of a, a gimmick rather than what it has become for us, which is of serious importance. I mean, that's the second group we've won, the second playoff we've got in the bag, mm. and it's, it's a real change from. The way that we let the last Nations League go in 2020, we needed either one point or three, was it, from the last two games against Israel and Slovakia and absolutely balls it up. So, look, it's nice that we managed to get this one over the line. Um, I think that that pretty much sums everything up, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we could talk all night, but it's late and the Zoom meeting's about to end. So, yeah, just let's put this in context one more time. So, Scotland are up into Nations League A, which will be played in a couple of years and alongside all the big hitters in Europe, I think we can look forward to some cracking away days there. Um, if we pull off a result or two at Hamden or away from home, it'll, they'll live long in the memory because I feel like it's been a while, apart from the Denmark game, that we really pulled off a, a whopper of a win um, against a, a team much better than us. Um, so we also are second seed for the European Championship qualifying draw. So that rules us out of drawing 
Um, one of the massive teams from Pot A, eh, Pot One, alongside France and England in Pot Two. But danger does lurk in Pot Three, which is only natural, I suppose. Ukraine are in there, Norway are in there. They're the best two, probably followed by Sweden. Um, but it does mean that we're not in the same pot as them alongside the likes of Iceland, Montenegro, Armenia. So we could end up with a pretty beneficial draw here and have no need for the playoff, which we've guaranteed by winning our uh, group in League B as well. So it's all swimming for Scotland. But it's real reason to be confident for Scotland tonight. Up we go to League A um, with a second seat um, for the draw for European Championship, which is in October 9th. Uh, and we've uh, got the playoff in the bag already. And uh, we'll end it there just as my washing machine. Can you hear that? Can you hear that washing machine? It's going absolutely mental in the kitchen. Can you? If you can't hear it, thank God. Um, so, yeah, we'll end it there. Um, but, guys, look, thanks very much for coming on. Always enjoyable to chat about Scotland win, especially when it leads to more and more in the bigger picture. Um, and I'll probably come back and do one as, the, uh, as we get ready for the draw uh, at the start of October. So, Alan, John, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks, yes, guys. thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.